Amen. Open your Bibles this morning to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is where we're going to be. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Just making sure you're paying attention. 2 Corinthians. You guys are going to have to laugh a lot more. Like, if, that's, if it's really funny, there you go. Look, my jokes aren't that funny to begin with when there's like 80 of us in here. So you guys got to really carry the... The load here. Um, but no, I'm so excited to be here this morning to get into God's word together. And uh, as I was kind of praying about what God would lead us to get into this week, um, one thing that kind of came to my mind is that next weekend, uh, we're going to have a lot of, uh, you're going to see a lot of images on Facebook or social media of kids being all dressed up in their costumes. Some of you have already seen that, um, you know, people putting pictures out there of their kids all, all dressed up. And so uh, it got me thinking about you know, how we tend to think kids in those costumes and then those masks are so cute, right? Like, I mean, we, we look at those images, we're like, oh, it just, it's so cute. And so I wanted to kind of have an awe moment this morning. So I got some pictures up here. So we're going to have those put up there. If Anthony can do that, if he's, where is he at? Is he good back there? My son's abandoned me. He even left. He isn't even back there. It should be in the actual slides, guys, for the service. There we go. So should be, yeah, there you go. There you go. So I like that one. You guys know why I picked that one, right? What is that about? Chick-fil-A. Okay. If you're going to have a restaurant talked about in church, it's got to be the most godly restaurant, which is Chick-fil-A, of course. And so you guys go to the next one. So there's a good one. There you go. See, you guys are getting what we're doing. Okay. All right. We're getting there. Okay. I like that one only because Oompa Loompas are really interesting to me and also terrifying. Like it's a mix. I don't really know. Next one. There you go. That, was that funny? Was that funny? Okay. Next one. There you go. That one's pretty cute, right? You know, a little scarecrow. Okay. I think I, oh, that's, that's one of my favorites. I love that one. Okay. Anyone that has a little one and you're like, what do I dress them up as? State Puff Marshmallow Man. You just cannot go wrong. And so uh, many of you know, real quick, uh, Danielle and TJ Bornison uh, welcomed their son this last week. And so they had their first child this week. And so they're really excited about that. Yeah. And uh, five, five and a half weeks early. And so, which is pretty early, but uh, everyone's healthy and all that stuff. And so, um, but I was thinking I might save this one for them. So when their son's about a year old, we'll, we'll go ahead and encourage and we'll actually have him dressed this way. I think we'll just vote on it as a church. Um, I don't know. Is there another one up there or is that all of them? Oh, there you go. That's a good one. Yeah, see? All right. Little panda bear. And then this one. Okay. Some of you might know why I picked this one. Does anyone, can anyone guess why I picked this one? Who does this remind us of? Rick and Chris. That's exactly who it was. Okay. If you haven't seen uh, Rick and Chris Fox, who are actually probably coming back from Kentucky visiting family right now, uh, if you've never seen them do an announcement for a women's event, you've both been robbed of an amazing time and you will enjoy it. You'll never forget seeing Rick in, in full drag. It's just, I can't, you know, you try to spiritualize it. It's not really spiritual. He just looks like an old woman. So, um, so I got this one for them just because I knew they probably wouldn't be here this morning, but I wanted to kind of throw it up there. So is that the last one, guys? I think that's the last one. 
Yeah, there we go. So, so we see those, those costumes and those masks and we think, oh, they're so cute and they're just so fun. And we kind of bring warmth to our heart. And we're going to see a lot of that over the next couple of weeks. I know my, my kids will be doing something next week and I don't know what yet. Um, cause who knows what's going to be allowed or not allowed. But, um, even in school, they'll do things. A lot of the kids dress up. I think Word of Life, um, has a costume night coming up here real soon. And so when we see those kids in those costumes, we think, oh, they're so just fun and innocent. But as we get older, I think we start to kind of wear masks that aren't so fun, uh, that aren't so cute. Um, And we all do this. We all do this to some degree. We wear these masks that we kind of cover up who we really are with these masks, these things we, we project to others. We want you to see me this way, but this is who I really am. And as I was praying over kind of where we are right now, just in the calendar, but also with everything going on, I thought, man, what, what a great way to remind ourselves that we don't have to wear these masks. We don't have to cover up who we really are before God. To be honest, my kids loved dressing up. Uh, we had, it didn't have to even be around this time of year. We had a closet that was full of like every superhero thing you can think of. I mean, Iron Man, Captain America, Batman, Superman. And then over time, what they would do is they would just kind of mix and match the costumes, right? So like maybe it was Josiah when he was real little would come out wearing like a Batman mask with a Superman cape, right? With an Iron Man costume on. And it was always fun. They would just dress up. And I think it's because they love to be something else. They love to pretend they were someone else. Right? They love to think, I'm Iron Man, I'm Captain America, or whatever. And I think that's really the fun of when we're kids and we dress up at, and we put costumes on. It's because we like to be something else. It's fun. But again, as we get older, we tend to enjoy being someone else or pretend like we're someone else because we think that's going to allow people to accept us and welcome us and look past our faults and look past who we really are and see who we want them to think we are. And so I want to look at a verse this morning that I think is a great reminder that we don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. I can't read Second Corinthians without thinking about a certain uh, presidential candidate that may have said, Two Corinthians, two Corinthians. And I'm not going to say which one said that. You can just Google that and have fun with that. But um, I always find that interesting when people... Anyway, anyway so 2 Corinthians, uh, verse, chapter 3, verse 18, says this, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. 2 Corinthians three eighteen. I want to read from the Holman Christian uh, Standard Bible Translation, and I like the way they word this just a little differently. The Holman Christian says it this way. We all, the same verse, just a little different translation. We all, with unveiled faces, are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Let's pray this morning. Father, We pray, Father, you give us wisdom and guidance in all of this. Lord, I pray that we would understand that as kids, we loved dressing up. We loved pretending we were somebody else. Lord, this is even uh, true when kids play cops and robbers and all those things. They They just like pretending we're someone else. But I think as we get older, sometimes that habit, that that desire can become very negative. As we pretend to be someone else, we cover up who we really are. And in doing so, Lord, we're not allowing your glory to be Uh, most revealed in us. 
And so I pray that as we talk about this topic this morning, that you would help us to have clarity and wisdom in our own lives, that we would be uh, maybe kind of look a little inward this morning, do a little evaluation to ask, uh, are we trying to mask who we really are? Are we trying to cover up some things so that we believe people will accept us or welcome us? And if they knew the things we really did or knew who we really were, they wouldn't accept us. And I pray that we would know as we're going to talk about at pretty good length, Lord, that, that we don't have to do that before you, that we can be open and honest before you. So help us to be that way before others. Now, Father, again, may you get all the glory from all that is said this morning, all that has been said. And as we continue to look into your word, may you just open our hearts and minds. Holy Spirit, we don't have to convince you to come into our presence. We don't have to beg you to work in our lives. We pray that we would just receive whatever you have for us. We'd be surrendered and submitted, looking for uh, the opportunity to decide to do what you've called us to do. Father, in all these things, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul says that in this verse, we have faces that are unveiled. Unveiled. And so many of us think of, when you think of a veiled face, you think of a wedding, right? When the bride comes down, usually she has a veil on her face, and then the groom will lift the veil when they are actually married. That idea of a veil, a face covering. And Paul says here, we have unveiled faces. When we expose our true selves to the truth of Christ in our lives, the power of the Holy Spirit will transform us into the very image of Christ. And so think about that. We take our faces and we unveil them before the truth of Christ. And then in his gospel, in his power, in the work of the Holy Spirit, he actually begins to change our very image from that, that corrupted, sinful image to the very image of Christ. When we wear masks, we think we aren't good enough. We think we can't really show who we really are. But when we wear those masks and not allow people to see us for who we really are, especially as followers of Christ, the glory of God is not revealed as it could be in our lives. See, I truly believe that Paul made a choice in his life to remove the mask of religion and gained a close relationship with Jesus Christ. While losing some of the things he used to think was important, he gained the knowledge that when we walk and we show who we really are, saved and redeemed, not perfect, still struggling, still, still going through heartaches and headaches, when we reveal that to others, the glory of God is actually revealed greater in our lives than when we try to cover those things up and mask those things. And so I want to kind of walk this out a little bit this morning and talk about this idea of wearing masks. And, and I put this on Facebook that we were going to be talking about this morning. And I kind of put on there, no, not those masks, right? Because when you put out on a sermon or put out, you're going to do a sermon on masks and wearing masks nowadays, it's a whole different route that we go down. Okay. So I want to make sure we were clear. We're talking about those masks, those figurative masks that we use to cover who we really are because we're afraid to truly reveal who we really are. And so why do we wear masks? Why do we wear masks? Well, it's not just you. It's not just me, right? We've all done this at some point in our lives. Some popular masks that we may wear as we think this through, some popular masks that we may wear. Uh, one I put down, and it may be different for you, I put down the mask of humor, the mask of humor. Now, how in the world is humor a mask? Well, to be honest, many of you have experienced this. You remember high school? Okay, was high school fun for some of you? Not fun for some of you? It was, high school was okay for me. Junior high wasn't all that fun. Okay, I didn't really like junior high. I was a brand new kid. Uh, I moved to Brown City halfway through sixth grade. And I think I may have told a story before, but when I moved to Brown City, uh, my stepdad was working uh, at a shop in Brown City here. And so before he moved and we started the school year up here, uh, my younger brother, who's seven years younger than me, he got dropped off at a daycare in Brown City. 
This is at like six in the morning, okay? We drove from Detroit all the way up here, hour and a half. He would drop us off and then he'd go to work. Well, we would get, I would get picked up by the little in-town bus at the daycare in sixth grade. So, brand new kid, sixth grader, already so confused, right? Trying to be cool, still not trying to be whatever. Getting picked up in front of, we walk in daycare. It was not a pleasant first six months of school, okay? Okay, but so, so we all go through these things. So what happens when we feel like we're getting picked on? That's kind of what I'm getting at. We have a couple options. We either ignore it, okay, which is pretty tough. Or what some people will do is they will actually embrace it and they'll actually poke fun at themselves. And because here's the thing, if I can get you to laugh with me at me, you're not really laughing at me to me. And so some people, even adults do this. We use humor as a mask to kind of not allow someone to get close, not allow someone to get in. We kind of make everything a joke. Everything's kind of funny. And I'm not saying we can't have fun and laugh and have humor, but if it's a mask that we're using to try to keep people away or because we're not really secure in who we are, and so we poke fun at ourselves so that that way I feel like I'm kind of stopping you from poking fun at me because I'm already doing it. People do this all the times. And again, we think this is something that teenagers do, but this is really something that adults do as well. Also, the mask of judging. The mask of judging. If I'm really judgmental of you, it makes me feel better about myself. Right? All my insecurities don't seem as bad when I point out how messed up you are. Okay? Newsflash. Maybe you've caught this. Maybe you haven't. Everyone in the human race is screwed up to some degree. We're all screwed up, okay? Some of us maybe more than others, but we all have something, okay? We all have bad or we've all gone through things. We all have insecurities. We all have fears of, of whatever we've gone through in life that have caused us to have these fears. Some of you have horrible fears of abandonment because somebody that you love or people that you love keep leaving. And it causes you to not want to be really who you are because, well, why would I open up to this person? They're just going to leave, So what we do is those insecurities we have to mask them, we're really judgmental of others. We point out everyone else's insecurities and faults and failures, and it makes us feel better. And also, if I'm pointing out your character flaws, we're not focusing on my character flaws, right? So judging is a mask I think that's pretty popular. Obviously, the mask of religion. I'm not talking about a relationship with Christ. I'm talking about religion. Another common mask that many people wear is religion. I do religious things and I feel as though that covers up my sin. That covers up my, my weakness. It covers up my failures. It covers up my, the ways that I've sinned against God. We think because we go to church or we do these things, it masks those things. Pastor Greg talked about this last week, that that's not how it works. We don't cover our sin through religion. Jesus Christ covers our th- sin through the death, burial, and resurrection of the gospel. So when I do that, though, I'm deceiving myself. This is an interesting one because it's a mask we wear, but we're actually trying to trick ourselves. We're trying to deceive ourselves, this mask of religion. How about the mask of success? The mask of success. This is where I think because I've achieved all these things, whatever it may be, that it actually hides my feelings of failure. It's amazing. If you talk to any coach, professional coach, They're going to tell you, even right after a win, they're going to be happy about the win, but they're not satisfied because they know there's something greater. They're always looking for another win, another victory, another record, another title. Because the more we have success in our own eyes, we think it actually will mask all the failures, all the ways that we've fallen short. And so we have a a few different masks. I just listed four. 
that we may wear, also depending on where we are or who we are with. Sometimes we'll wear a different mask in different crowds because I know this group of people like me when I'm like this and this group of people like me when I'm like that. And so we'll go to church and we'll put on the church mask, right? And we'll be all churchy and everything's good. Oh, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Then we go to work and it's like that mask comes on. I put on the work mask and now I'm making crude jokes. I'm messing around. I'm, you know, I'm not a great employee, whatever. We kind of just play it up to wherever we're at. And it's amazing how easily we can do this. How easily we can exchange one for another. This is true most evidently in our culture in one group of a career choice, and that would be politicians. I've never met a group of people that can literally put on one mask and take it off in such a short amount of time. Right? Because politicians are really good at what? They look at the base of the audience and go, okay, if I'm talking to Christians primarily, then I'm going to throw some things in there that sound kind of Christian-y. If I'm talking to a group that's for this or that thing, okay, if I'm at like an oil plant, man, I'm going to really talk about oil and talk about, you know, fossil fuels and all that. If I'm over here with this group, I'm going to change it up and do this and that. Why are they doing that? Why are politicians one mask on, one mask off, one mask on? What's the, what's the goal in that? To get your vote, right? To get you to like them really, right? So that you'll vote for them. Well, I like that guy. He says what I like. I like what he says and I'm going to vote for him. Now, I'm not saying all politicians are like that. It's just kind of the, the best example of a group of, or of an individual or a career that really kind of pander to whatever audience. And you know why that really bothers you? You know that really bothers me? Why does that bother us when people are like that? What do we say, by the way, when somebody's one way over here and another way over here? We have a, a phrase for that. What do we call those people? They're two-faced, right? Phonies, right? They're fake. Why does that bother us so much? Newsflash, I'm not saying it's not true of me as well. I've been two-faced. Do you know they say that the sin, I think maybe even Pastor Greg alluded to this last week, the sin that someone else that most bothers you is probably a sin you battle with, or at least you have battled with. So when we see people that are two-faced and we go, oh, I just can't stand them. Well, there's a chance that you may battle with that as well. So it's very easy to do. That's the point we're getting at. We can trick other people into thinking the mask is who we really are because they don't really know us. You're in 2 Corinthians. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I want to look at a verse that kind of makes this clear. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11. It says this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11. For what man knows the things of a man save the spirit of man, which is in him. Even so, the things of God knows no man, but the spirit of God. Now, the first part of that verse we want to focus on. But for what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of man, which is in him. What's what's Paul saying here? He's saying, I don't really know what's going on inside of you. Right? I don't know what's going on in your heart and in your mind. I can't discern those things. I can't look at you and go, oh, obviously that's what they're thinking. That's what they're feeling. Now, we think we can do this, right? We do this all the time when we're judging people. Why do we think we can do this? Because we hear what they say or we see what they do and they go, that must be what's going on inside of them. It's not necessarily always true. The reality is I don't know what's going inside another person. So if somebody is trying to deceive me, they can be successful in that. They can trick you into thinking they're one way or another, that they're this mask or that mask. But the truth is only the individual knows. And then even then, that individual doesn't really even understand the depths of what's going on in their hearts and minds. This is why you hear people say, I don't even know 
who I really am. And I've talked to people who said that. I don't really know who I really am. And it's just amazing to me how much that must break God's heart. Because God desires you to not only know who you are, but to know who you are in Christ. See, somebody that doesn't know Christ, I understand when they're like, I just don't get who I am. And I get why Christians struggle with this, but, but believer, if you've ever thought, I just don't know who I am, man, the answer is not going to be found out here. It's going to be found in the word of God. It's going to be spending time in God's word and understand that he says things like you're his beloved. And I love that phrase for the believer, the beloved of God, the chosen, the son or the daughter, the saint. Do we identify ourselves these way or this way? No. That's why we put masks on. If I really thought I was beloved of God in Christ, I wouldn't put a mask on to hide my faults and failures. I'd go, nope, I'm very, I'm very full of failures and faults, but God loves me and showed me his grace. And so he is glorified in this. See, the truth is people will struggle with that question. I don't know who I really am. And I wonder if it's because they've been encouraged to be this or that person their whole life. In our culture today, we are forced, force fed into thinking who we're supposed to be. And I said this a few weeks ago, we live in a very judgmental culture, don't we? Man, if you are a mom and you have a child and you decide to raise that child and give that child formula, man, there are people in our culture that will rip you up one side and down the other. If you choose to to go the way of breastfeeding, oh, I can't believe you would do that. You decide to dress your kids in these clothes or that clothes or do this or do that, or you keep your house really clean or you don't keep it clean at all. And there's somebody somewhere that will judge you. Because ultimately we've been told, well, no, you have to look like this and have to be like that and have to fit this size and be that and say this and do that. And the reality is, if it's based in the culture, it's shifting sand, right? One thing that we used to always tell our students in student ministry was be very careful if you desire to be popular. Because the minute you choose to want to be popular, you'll get popular, but then you have to stay popular, You know what it means to stay popular? I have to do whatever the popular kids like. And so it's the shifting sand. And again, we think, well, that's true of students. Guys, this is true of adults. Spend 10 minutes on social media and you'll find out really quickly, adults battle with wanting to be popular and accepted. So we have to be so careful here because we got to understand and look at this and say, okay, why do I want to be this or that kind of person? What's driving me to be this or that kind of person? Is it based in God's word, the unchanging truth of God? Because it's the best for me? Or is it based in the shifting sands of culture? We must know that God loves us exactly as we are. And when we turn from our sin and trust him as Savior, we are able to see clearly who we are in Christ and who we are meant to be in Christ. The phrase goes like this, right? God loved me so much that he loved me just as I am. But he loves me so much he won't leave me just as I am. Man, if I come to him in sin and brokenness, he'll, he'll receive me in his grace, but then he'll work. And what'll happen? He'll begin to change me into the image of Christ. And all of a sudden, those things I thought I wanted to do, I thought were really important, they're not as important anymore. What does Paul say? Man, as Pastor Greg alluded to last week, all those things are like dung. It's worthless. But man, for the knowledge of Christ, I would give my life. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. And so we need to understand this, that it's easy to do, it's common, but it doesn't have to be. So understanding that, let's look at real, really three quick things, three quick things that hopefully will encourage us 
So knowing all of that, that we don't have to wear those masks, that we can, in Christ, know who we are and live in a way that honors him, what keeps us from taking off our mask and being authentic? What keeps us from taking off the mask, whatever mask, and being authentic? This is primarily seen in relationships with coworkers, family members, friends, but it also can be true even of our own selves. The first thing that I think keeps us from taking off the mask and being authentic is the fear of exposure. The fear of exposure. This is where we want to focus on our strengths, but not on my weakness. We fear that if we get authentic in relationships, our weaknesses or faults will be revealed. And what happens when that takes place? When people see who we really are, our faults and our failures, what's the fear when we're exposed that way? They're not going to want to be in a relationship. They're just going to walk away. They're just they're going to, you're not who I thought you were. I don't, want to, I don't want to be your friend, or I don't want to be in a friendship with you, a relationship with you, whatever. When those are revealed, we tend to feel those things will be the outcome. I want to encourage you to take the mask off. Now, it's a hard choice, but it's the right choice. And allow others to see you for who you are in Christ. It doesn't mean we reveal everything to everyone. This is where we got to learn this. People think if I, if I don't just dump it all out there, which, by the way, isn't that great when you're in a friendship with someone and they... Say, hey, you want to get coffee? And you're like, sure. And you show up to coffee and they just, it all out on the table. And you're kind of stuck there just like, what do I do with this? Okay? I'm not saying we have to do that and dump it all out there. There's times that happens in friendships. Try not to catch your friend off guard when you do that because they're going to be confused. But, but we don't have to dump it all out there. That's not what I mean by being authentic. You don't have to lay out the dirty laundry. You can just honestly be real and say, man, I struggle. Man, I have difficulties. I, I have trials. There's things that I battle with. We don't have to be super transparent to every single person, but it means we choose to not be fake and cover up as though everything is always perfect all the time. It means we merely allow the light of Christ to be shown in our lives. We as followers of Christ are called to walk in the light. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 13, when things are brought out into the light, then their true nature is clearly revealed. So we just walk in the light. We're just honest. We're just real with people. But the fear of exposure keeps us from taking off that mask because I'm so afraid if I let it out and I show you what's going to happen next. And we're going to get to that in a little bit here. So the fear of exposure is the serious concern that we have to, to not be authentic. Another reason that we don't take off the mask and desire to be authentic is the fear of rejection. We are fearful that if I truly reveal who I am, that I won't be accepted. We fear, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, of losing their acceptance. Some of us will choose to not even get close to someone because if I'm authentic and allow myself to be exposed, what if they don't like me? The truth is the minute we expose ourselves, it's, it's just who we are. And I was trying to think about an example of this. And so the best example I was just going to think of with this, and I hope it's not, you know, when I come up with illustrations, I always think, is this, like, here's the line. Where, how close am I to that line of, like, is this church okay? Is this not a church okay? And, and thankfully, God's spirit is gracious because there's times I'll cross that line. But luckily, I reveal that to Sandra, and she goes, you're seriously going to try to say that in church? And I've actually said some things from the pulpit that Pastor Greg has reminded me about a few times where I wish I could have, you know. I've always said, wouldn't it be cool? If you could invent something that you had like a 10-second window on everything you said, that it would capture it and bring it back. 
Wouldn't that be amazing? Like, you know, imagine the conflict you wouldn't have in your life if you could stop something from getting to the ears of the other person. Because what do we do? We talk first, think second, right? And so we should think first, speak second. So I really hope this is okay. But I was thinking about this, this idea of exposure and just being out there. And I was thinking about when you go to the beach and you're wearing your bathing suit. You're kind of just there, right? Like, there's not really much you can do. I mean... Like, it's just, you're just exposed and you're just out there like, this is me, you know? And like, if they don't like me, if they just judge me, this is all I got, okay? It's that kind of a thing. We're just out there. The minute we take the mask off and we go, hey, this is who I really am, we're no longer covering up and, and trying to hide who we really are. And I think what happens is if we're not careful, we think if I do that and they don't like me, I can't go back, Right? I can't undo that. I can't go back and pretend I didn't just expose who I really was to this person. They know this now. And that fear of rejection is real. It's it's something that we actually can almost physically feel in our lives, the tension of that. We don't want others to get too close because if I'm authentic and allow myself to be exposed, they may not like me. Proverbs 29, 25. I love this verse, says this. The fear of man brings a snare. The fear of man brings a snare. Another way of saying that is that the fear of man's opinions traps or disables. The fear of man's opinions traps or disables. It's a snare. It's a trap. It's, it's a hunting term, right? We lay a trap, and then when the animal comes along, we catch that animal in the trap. And the Bible is clear on this, the fear of man. And whenever the Bible says fear of man, it's not so much like fear of what man can do to me physically. It may be that. But it really is speaking more of the fear of man's opinions, someone else's idea of me, someone else's thinking of me, perception of me. And I have to ask this question. You don't have to answer out loud. But have you ever felt trapped by the opinions of others? Have you ever felt literally ensnared, trapped by the thoughts or the opinions of of others. Many studies have shown that your self-worth, how you feel about yourself, is largely determined by what you think the most important person in your life thinks about you. Think about that for a second. Your self-worth, like how, how, how worthy you think you are, this is true in just culture, not just as, a, as Christians or whatever, but just in our world today. Studies have shown that you will gauge your self-worth by what you think the most important person in your life thinks about you. Now, when we're kids, and usually children, most of the time, that is our parents, right? This is why uh, some children, if a mom or dad says, I'm disappointed in you, that's crushing, right? Like, I just, oh, I'm so sad I disappointed you. Some kids, that doesn't have as great an effect, right? I'm disappointed in you. Eh, well, I mean, it doesn't always go over as well. But for the most of the time, or for most of the people, their opinion of that most important person dictates to them who, how worthy they think they are. Now, what happens as we get older? We exchange this. It's still kind of our parents, but what else might come into that picture? Coworkers, our boss, right? Someone we love and care for. It could be any number of individuals. Whoever we gauge is the most important person, if they think little of us, we'll think little of ourselves. That's just what studies have shown. So how do we fix that? How do we keep from being like this in our idea of self-worth? Here's the key. We make Jesus Christ the most important person in our lives. 
And when we make Jesus Christ the most important person in our life, we'll look at what does Jesus think of me in Christ? And then we understand that we're loved unconditionally, we're, we're valued and we're treasured, that he's formed us with purpose and intent, and he's never going to leave us or forsake us no matter what happens to us. Man, our self-worth is no longer like this. It's the steady increase. It's the steady climb because we understand that we are valuable in Christ, not because of who we are, but because of who Christ is in us. We were created in his image. All of a sudden we realize that we can be authentic in our relationship with him because he understands all that we are. And when we are authentic with him, it will help us to be authentic with others. It allows us to live free in relationships. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 6 through 7. We're not going to read it. We referenced it a couple weeks ago, so write it down. Reveals to us that if others reject us, Christ by his grace will will and has accepted us when we call out to him. And so the fear of exposure, the fear of losing acceptance or not being accepted. But thirdly, I think one of the reasons we refuse to take off the mask is because there's the fear of being hurt again. The fear of being hurt again. Man, you've, maybe you've done this. You've taken off the mask. You've been exposed. You've been real. And the acceptance was taken away. And you were hurt or burned in a relationship. And so now the solution in our minds is, okay, so if I don't ever do that again, I'll never be burned. I'll never be hurt again. The truth is you will and have been hurt in this life. I've hurt others in relationships. You've hurt others in relationships. You've been hurt in relationships by others. And this is not heaven. This is a fallen world. And so we should never be surprised by this. Even believers are still struggling with the flesh and sin. And so I'm not saying it's okay, but I'm saying maybe we should be a little bit more understanding that this is where we are. This is the world we live in. Again, I'm not saying it's okay that someone said or did something that hurt you. I'm just saying we seem to be caught off guard by this as though we think this world is heaven. It's full of broken people broken creation. And you and I will be hurt in this life. The more important issue is not will or will we not be hurt. It's what do you do with that hurt? What do I do with that hurt? Some of us hold on to it. We bury it down deep inside. We think if I just ignore it and ignore it and push it down and push it down, it'll be fine. That doesn't work. It will explode one day. And a humorous example of this In marriage, a lot of times couples won't bring up the little things. They'll just kind of let it go, 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 bury it, bury it, bury it. And then when the husband leaves his underwear on the floor, the wife just erupts and loses her. I can't believe. And this poor man's like, it's a pair of underwear. Like, what are we freaking out about? And then the wife gets even more upset because how dare you, right? Minimize my anger, right? But it's because we push things down. By the way, men do this too. I was just trying to think of an illustration there, but men do this too, right? We erupt on people. We freak out on people because we haven't dealt with these hurts. We just keep burying it and pushing it down. We allow it to keep us from being authentic with people. Another way that we handle it is through anger. We just get angry about everything. And again, that's not the solution as it's going to cause us to have less relationships. We can be angry, but the Bible says be angry and sin not. So again, if something is making me angry, I need to deal with the thing and not allow it to control me and to make me freak out and lose my temper. We must surrender those past hurts to Christ. We must surrender past hurts to Christ. Allow him to heal our hearts and our minds. Whenever we are real with someone, we are exposing ourselves to the risk of being hurt. 
whenever you are real with someone and authentic, you're exposing yourself to being hurt. It's just part of this human world. And let me just promise you this. I know that the fear of being hurt again is terrifying. But in my opinion, and I believe based on God's word, we should never allow it to keep us from being authentic with other people because the risk of being hurt is greatly outweighed by the reward of authentic, real relationships. And I'll give you an example that came up just this last week with what's going on with Judy Hodges. So many people have poured love and prayer into her lives, into their lives, her and Nikki's life. But you know why people love Nikki and Judy so much? Well, because they love God, number one. They love the Lord and they love his church. But the one thing I love about Nikki and Judy Hodges is they're the realest people you'll ever meet. They're so real. They're just, man, from day one, they don't hold anything back. Now, Judy would tell you that's a flaw sometimes, especially when she gets going in her Texas draw. Whenever, te- or whenever Judy gets that Texas draw going, I'm like, yes, ma'am, whatever, yes, ma'am, whatever you want. Just keep the shoes on the feet because I don't want a sandal to come off and start, you know, coming after me, okay? But they're just real people. So what do people do with real people? They, they, they welcome that. We, we don't like two-faced people, but there's a part of us that loves people who are real and genuine. It's scary, but we actually want those kind of relationships in our lives. I think any of us, if we had to choose between real and authentic relationships and people that wear masks, we would want the real relationships every single time. And the way we get real, authentic relationships is to be real and authentic in our own relationships with other people. That doesn't mean we won't get hurt. doesn't mean somebody won't burn you because that may happen. But I promise you, in my opinion and based on God's word, I think the reward is greater than the risk. So my question to you this morning is, what mask do you need to remove? What mask are you using to mask who you really are? First and foremost, are you a follower of Christ? Do you know Christ as your Lord and Savior? And if the answer is yes, I do, then no, you don't need the mask. No, you don't need to cover up who you are because when you reveal that, that, that true who you are, the glory of God is revealed in you. If you're here and you don't know Christ, you may think the only thing I have is to wear a mask. That's not true. God loves you more than you can imagine. And he will show you your true value and true worth when we make him most important. Who or what are you pretending to be to gain acceptance from others? It is as simple as crying out to your heavenly father and by the power of the Holy Spirit being transformed. We have all worn masks in our lives. We've all done it. And again, it doesn't mean we share every detail and hurt. It means that we are honest when we struggle and have hurts. The greatest blessing comes when you take off the mask and reveal the glory of God in the imperfect life and then live open in it. It will give greater confidence and courage for others to take off their mask. And here's the beauty of this. You know what happens when a church full of real people and authentic people stop trying to pretend there's something else and just get real with other people in the church and it encourages them to take off their masks? You have this amazing thing called community. See, church is not like any other form of community we have in the world today. It's supposed to be this open and transparent and honest relationship. You know what James chapter 5 says? James chapter 5 says if we, if we will pray for one another fervently, we're supposed to pray for one another fervently. How can I pray fervently for you if I don't even know you? But man, when I know that you're struggling, it doesn't mean you come up to somebody and go, listen, brother, you need to pray for me because here's the 15 things that happened to me yesterday. No, we don't have to do all that. Man, isn't there something great when you say, you know what, would you pray for me? I'm just struggling right now. Do you know how freeing that is? Not only for you, but for the person to go, man, they just straight up told me they're struggling. 
I thought at church you're supposed to act like everything is fine. There's a song out right now by Matthew West. And I forget the name of it, but it talks about basically that, that the truth is rarely told, even in church. That people will come into church and say, oh, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm fine. And really they're hurting and struggling and broken. And it doesn't mean we go, here's all the brokenness. We say, man, just, would you just pray for me? And then maybe in a relationship, one-on-one, maybe a woman with a woman or a man with a man, and we can just say, you know what, listen, man, I'm, I'm struggling in this specific area. And you begin to pray about that and encourage one another. Next thing you know, you have community in the church where it's not this shallow surface relationship. It's deep. And I'm telling you, do you know who you will call when you're really up against it? It's not going to be people on your social media that are just social media friends. It's not going to be people on your Instagram. It's going to be those real flesh and blood people, human beings, those individuals that have been real with you and been there for you. Those are the ones you're going to call when you're really up against it. And so that's the beauty of relationships like that, being authentic and real. And so let's take off the mask. Let's be real. Let's embrace the reality that it may mean hurts because that's just what we live in a fallen world. We don't, we don't say it's no big deal. We don't act like it doesn't hurt. We don't let, we can, we can tell the person if somebody is in a relationship with you and they hurt you in some way, it's okay to say, Hey, this hurt me. This is, this is not okay. We can address that. I'm not saying just let it go, but you need to realize that it's going to happen. And then we give it over to Christ and let him work in that relationship. And so let's do this. Let's bow in prayer. Praise man's going to come and lead us in a song of invitation. And I want to encourage you this morning, whatever God is doing in your life, right there where you are, maybe in your seat, or maybe you want to come and bend a knee here at the altar and pray. And maybe you, you would say in your own life that you've been tempted to, or you are feeling that pressure to, to wear a mask, to be someone else for someone else or something else. Maybe you're one way around some people and another way around other people. And you just, if you're being honest with yourself right now, that's extremely tiring. It's, 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 it causes us to be so weary trying to be what everyone else wants us to be. But freedom comes when we embrace the reality that in Christ, in his grace, we can be all that Christ desires us to be because he is giving us the strength and the equipping, the ability to do that for his glory. Let's make Jesus Christ the most important person in our life so that our self-worth, the way we see ourselves is not shifting forwards and backwards, up and down, depending on how the, the wind of the day of relationships goes or how good experiences we have or our situation or our circumstances. Let's base our worth in the unchanging word of God, the unchanging God of the word, that we would see that in Christ we are saved and redeemed, that we don't need to fear, because while human beings may, may hurt us again, while human relationships may cause us hurt and pain, that Jesus Christ will never, never betray us, will never turn his back on us, will never, never not be there for us, but he will always be there for us, ready, willing, and able to lift us up. Father, we come before you this morning. We ask that as we go through this, this idea this morning of how we try to sometimes cover up who we really are, Lord, in the world, people cover up who they really are with success and humor, judging, drugs and alcohol, habits, hobbies, where we think that who we are is more about what we do, what we have in the checkbook or the checking account, Lord. 
what we drive, what we live in. But Father, I pray that we'd go deeper. I pray that we would know that in you we are, we are in Christ and, and we don't have to worry about being accepted by others because we've been accepted by you because you have a gracious love. And so Father, help us to take off the mask. Help us to be real and authentic with you first and foremost because that's where it starts. It's when we love God with all of us, our heart, mind, body, and soul. When we're completely open and transparent with you, then we'll be able to love our neighbors as ourselves. And Father, that's the goal, to love our neighbors as ourselves. And I can't love my neighbor as myself if I don't even know how to love myself. So Father, help me to see who I really am in Christ and then to see my neighbor, anyone outside of me, in the same way to be authentic and real with them so they can be authentic and real with me. And so, Father, I also want to pray real quick, Lord, for those in here maybe that are, or that are listening to this, uh, this message online, that if there's anyone that is in a relationship, Lord, that they've been real and authentic, but they've been burned, they've been hurt. It doesn't make it okay. It needs to be dealt with. But, Lord, I pray that they would know that just because that happened to them in a human relationship, that will never happen in their relationship with you. Help them to be free from that weight of getting even. If they're battling with bitterness or just any kind of anger around that, Lord, I pray that they would just give that over to you and know that you are in control and you work all this out. Father, we love you. We thank you for your salvation. You give us freely in Christ. And we pray that we would just just follow you in whatever you have for us this morning. We love you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet as they lead us in a song of invitation? Would you just?